0: I finally turned it on today. I have a very strained relationship with television, but I turned it on. I always wondered why an abused person would go back and give their abuser a second, third or fourth chance after having been hurt time and time again. But over the last few days, as my curiosity became greater and greater, I began to obsess about the TV. And as my mind began to revolve around this object that had torn my life apart and I began to consider going back to it again, I also began to understand the allure of the return to the abuser that many must have felt before me. In order to live this life with a brain like mine, I've had to learn many coping mechanisms, I think of my brain as a duplicitous person, a malintent. It is another being that I must constantly rein in and ward back. I have to offer carrots and sticks to get it to behave like it should. My conscious brain grasps at enough reality to understand the pitfalls of letting that other part of me roam freely. I know this because For much of the first part of my life, I was under its control. It would determine how I felt and when, what I was focused on and for how long. But trial and error, Dr. Grisham, of course, Mom and Becky, and any number of other people who have tried to help me, led me to a place where I was not being led by it, but rather the leader of it. I know by now that what I feed that other side, and where I allow it to graze, can determine a lot of things. If I steal its focus away and trick it into being interested in something else, at just the right time, it will forget about that unhealthy obsession, the carrot. And if I nip a potential thought in the bud quick enough, slapping the other side's hand at just the right time. The stick, I can prevent it from ruling me. But TV was always the most difficult thing to manage. I was still watching TV when 9-11 happened. That turned out to be one of my life's most difficult moments. 9-11 was like taking a food-obsessed kid used to the bland food of the school cafeteria, to an over-the-top smorgasbord. The news, normally a palatable and manageable cafeteria, was like a buffet a mile long immediately after 9-11. My mind could no longer discern fantasy from reality by the time it came to an abrupt end, TV was always like that for me. It presented a constant danger of going back to the clinic. Matlock, or The Andy Griffith Show, or Murder She Wrote, or ALF. These were all things that I could watch with little danger. The other side could observe such shows without the danger of focusing on a particular image and obsessing over it. Although. ALF did present an almost constant obsession with cats. The local news was already borderline dangerous. In New York City, even the slightest hint of graphic content on the local news would sometimes replay in my mind over and over to the point of torture. Blood on a sidewalk would get on a loop and the story would begin to fill in its own gaps. I could only react to the other side's whims at this point. Back then, I didn't know to slap its hand and just turn the set off. But my apartment has been so quiet since the lockdown and quarantine. Even more quiet than normal. Most people don't know this, but there are some places in Manhattan that are not expensive, nor loud, nor dirty. Somehow, my apartment on the sixth floor of a rent-controlled building is situated in just such a way on a relatively quiet street, snuggled in amongst many other apartments and buildings, you could almost believe that I live in the suburbs somewhere when you're in my apartment. It isn't tiny or in a dangerous neighborhood, and it doesn't have roaches. It doesn't have any of the things you would associate with the city. In the summer, you can hear honks and sirens in the distance, but not so loud you can't sleep. It is possible to live humanely in the metropolis. You just need to get lucky, I guess. Like me. The window at my desk looks out onto the street below. It is never super busy, of course, but it is strangely empty now. Hours will go by before I see someone, and they always seem to be in a great hurry. They are always pulling their coat up to their throats in a quick gait to get somewhere. It's like they know that the street is radiated, and they can only be out for a few minutes before it gets dangerous. And they're all wearing masks, of course. But they just became fewer and fewer as the disease progressed. So, of course, I got more and more curious. The other side started to play with me a bit, filling in all kinds of stories about the occasional person rushing by. It wanted to find a plausible story that resonated in just the right way for me so as to break the barrier and make the real me become as obsessed as the other side. So that's why I turned it on. My curiosity had been piqued long enough to consider rethinking all that I had learned about that duplicitous child's nature, the TV. But then I turned it off again just as quickly. Something knew the danger that lurked within it and nipped that in the bud. Danger averted. Thank God for the stick.